0: It's Sunday, it's the morning, so it must be time for another episode of EG Like Sunday Morning. Who's joining me today? Well, she enjoyed it so much last week that we could not keep her away. It's news editor Pui Guan Man. <laughs> and my second guest is one I've been waiting for from the start, but he's just so hard to book. He's in too much demand. It's our incomparable retail and industrial analyst, James Child. Welcome to you both. Hi there. How has the week week been for you both?
1: Been hectic. Yeah, very hectic. News on the news desk, certainly a lot going on.
2: Been very busy over this side. Um, As usual, buckets and buckets, loads of data and
0: more spreadsheets than you could ever imagine. And I can't imagine very many spreadsheets so it must be must be terrible so uh, now i couldn't have my two favorite retail experts on the podcast and not talk the future of the high street so non-essential retailers uh, are counting the days until they can throw wide their doors and um, so who is left out there to reopen and 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 what do the prospects look like for them well i
2: mean <laughs> That's a that's a loaded question, isn't it? <laughs> this okay. I mean, obviously, what I'm not going to do is, is sit here and name any retailers who no, uh, no. In, in in any description. But look, there's there's a there's a lot of retailers out there who are desperate for a surge in pent up demand, um, which is going to come. It is going to come, whether mm. that is, you know, by by all logical parameters, it looks like we're on the right track in terms of um, being released to go shopping. I know that we've got this timeline, haven't we? but it's obviously subject to um subject to change depending on mm-hmm. how we all get on with the vaccination process, X, y, z. Um, but there are going to be a lot of business owners out there who are uh, <laughs> who are gagging for custom. Um, mm. And you know, I think, um, you know, while certainly, the majority maybe perhaps not the majority i mean a lot of people are going to be still maybe a bit wary about going shopping um you know i mean i won't have had the vaccine by the time the shops are open and you know i certainly don't think i'll be going in and out of every shop mm. but it's good news for you know big for people that need to go and buy those things so you know non-essential. I mean, we've all been going into B&M and Wilco, haven't we? And the coffee shops, and that, mm. that, that's it. But um, I think it, look, I think it's good news. I mean, I'm not going to get into the, the trials and tribulations of the high street just yet until you ask me, but there's, uh, it, it's positive news. And I'm, I'm really pleased for everyone in the sector that um, there is a light at the end of the tunnel.
0: It's coming. Well, you've, you've uh, preempted my, my next question there, James. So I know over the last few years you've spent a fair amount of time uh, with your abacus and um, adding up the amount of retail floor space that has been lost to CVAs and, and insolvencies and also mm. putting considerable thought uh, into how these swathes of empty space can be reused. So well, what is your current thinking on the best ways to, to plug the gaps that, that have been left by fallen retailers and, and unfortunately continue to be left? Mm. I mean again this is uh this is a
2: we could talk about this for hours and hours. <laughs> yeah, and and um, I know of, you already
0: have. And much of that analysis is available uh, right. on the website for anyone who wants to uh, to dig into more. But uh, yeah, yeah what, if you could sum up uh, your okay, current so, thoughts.
2: You know, off the, off the top of my head, um, around, I think around 28 million square foot of space has already been vacated because of administrations and CBAs and what have you. That's obviously ramped up quite significantly since covid you know a lot of retailers who were who were clutching at straws really when it comes to or when it came to um, keeping afloat are now unable to do that so there's been more um, you know debenham's was another one this year which proves um, just how perilous the margins are out there and I know they've got a there's a, a whole host of um, legacy problems with with debenham's but um, you know today we heard that John Lewis mm um looking to looking to close possibly looking to close stores in the future um we know that mns is looking to consolidate their flagship as well so the, f- the future of retail is is kind of up for grabs i think there are retailers out there who have too much space mm. that much is true um, so we're seeing consolidation and increasing obsolescence. And it's the obsolescence stuff that or side of things that is really troubling people, I think, because people don't quite know what to do with all of these empty shops. Mm. And again, um, every high street, every town is completely different. So there isn't a, a one fix all approach to remedying these, you know, these uh, these increasing vacant units. Um some of the bigger ones, like these department stores, that we're going to see coming to the market. Um, you know, whilst they are troublesome in many respects because they are anchor stores, um, we are really seeing solutions come through for those bigger units, which is really, you know, really good to see. Um, but I think going forward, with the um, you know the potential liberalisation of the planning system, which is um, which is coming on the horizon, um, I can hear the bugle now.
0: um
2: um, you know there are concerns certainly i have concerns about what happens to um to these shops because um you know whilst whilst there are there is too much retail turning it into whatever um developer x wants isn't the solution and Mm. you know i have concerns about what will happen to um, the core high street in the future Mm. um So yes, I mean I think that that answered the question.
0: Yeah. How about your thoughts, Priya? Because I I, I know you know you you followed this closely as well.
1: Yeah. I mean it's it's really interesting to see um, some of the. The the concepts that um, seem to be uh, lined up for empty spaces, it kind of ranges from, you know, um, ones you might expect like housing and Mm. and hotels. But then you've kind of got the kookier things coming out a bit more recently, like uh, lab space being one of them, which is actually I, I mean, I don't actually even know if if the infrastructure of it. Uh, you know, an empty space in a shopping centre might lend itself to lab space. So that's certainly quite an interesting mm. one. And then this week um, in the news, we had a Capital and Regional signing a partnership with uh, Reef to um, repurpose some of its extra car parking spaces and and empty retail spaces into urban farms. Was it urban farms? Vertical farms? Um, James is nodding. So, yes, <laughs> <laughs> I've remembered correctly. Um, and kitchens um, as well. So, um it's just it's really interesting to see all the, these sort of new innovative ideas that are that are coming out um of course whether or not um you know we, we you know people haven't really kind of shared more details behind that what kind of tenant incentives might be going on and, and all that kind of thing um but um you know yeah it'll be really interesting to to see how it all pans out it's it's an on one of those ongoing narratives that uh um, yeah, it lives on our watch list, so.
0: <laughs> if I can ask you to do a, just a tiny bit of crystal ball gazing, I mean, if if you picture in your mind's eye what our high streets and shopping centres uh, might look like uh, maybe five, ten years down the line when, when hopefully talk of how the pandemic is is, is becoming a, a slightly distant memory, I mean, what do you think the most striking differences will be? Um, so I,
2: I often use the same analogy because people ask me this quite a lot. Um, I imagine a set of piano keys. When people ask me about the high street, um, and I don't know this analogy has been used by others as well. I've, some people use the um, the broken teeth mm-hmm. analogy. I I prefer the piano key one piano am, to be honest. Um, if we you know if we think that we're oversubscribed by retail stock by around thirty percent. So you've got a you've got a piano key at each end. You need to you need to scythe off thirty percent of those keys, so fifteen mm. each side, or maybe more. I don't know. It depends on where you are. You streamline it. You make the rest of the retail stock that's left behind better mm-hmm. by by you know by, by cutting off the the odds and ends that perhaps isn't performing, and then you're left with a core, and that core is going to be filled with increasing community use. Well, uses mm-hmm. such as you know things that we uh we need um doctor surgeries so on and so forth uh i think we're going to see a resurgence in things like food halls food markets um green remember those butchers <laughs> things like those cobblers are always um always going to be needed you can't get your hair cut online i don't know how many times i've said that but i you could certainly do can't. With- i can i can attest to that yeah same same <laughs> Um, I'm just pleased that the viewers don't have uh, – it's only audio <laughs> for them at the moment. But, <laughs> you know, there are there are those um, – Poor, your hair is um, amazing, as always, Mired. Um, but, look, there's there's stuff that you always need to, to do, right? Mm, um, yeah. So the future of the high street is going to be probably less multiples because they're consolidating quite quickly these days. Um, there's going to be more independent – restaurants eateries um, and it's going to be more leisure stuff as well so you know whether that is axe throwing or trampolining or something you know something for generation z i don't know whatever people like to do
0: so to to badly paraphrase morcom and wise less notes but more in the right order (laughs) yeah exactly exactly (laughs) anything to add on that breed anything that you
1: um, no, I mean, I'd broadly, I'd agree with that more, more community uses, um, seeing more of a shift towards localism, or certainly more um, people sort of uh, campaigning on that front for, um, for more sort of um, thinking around uh, localism, and yet yeah, possibly more, you know, more healthcare, um, as well in, in some mm-hmm. of these uh, empty spaces, um, you know, given, well, I mean, probably not <laughs> um, a surprising uh, shift. But um, yeah, I think that's, that's kind of Broadly, we'll be seeing some movements towards that.
0: And obviously, turning to your other uh, area of expertise, James, uh, one sector's crisis is another's opportunity, and and the switch to online shopping over recent years exacerbated by the pandemic has has meant boom time for the logistics sector. Mm. Uh, So what's the latest there, and and how much growth potential do you think there still is in that sector? Um, So, yes, I mean, sheds of Sheds have been the darling of real estate for the past mm.
2: three years or so, probably. Um, the you know the growth in online spend has has obviously driven that. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're now at an interesting impasse, I think, with the the trade off between store and shed, because because it's very it's very difficult for me to sit here as an analyst and predict what's going to happen next year post COVID. Mm. um again i've had plenty plenty of um requests for answers on this subject um (laughs) which i don't know but you know online spend was around 20 percent of all retail spend before before the virus um it went up to around 35 at some points last year which is i think it was a five-year rise in one month or Mm. something ludicrous like that so wherever it wherever we, we rebase in terms of you know whether it's buying stuff on Amazon or doing our food shop now which has grown mm. um, you know to such an extent that even I'm thinking about doing it um, the sector you know the se- I think the sector is going to continue to see a real boom in the next couple of years at least um, my concerns um, for logistics is the firstly there's the um, dealing with the, these new supply chains Mm-hmm. because there's so there's, there's so much activity that we might get to a, a period where actually people might decide to reverse their online activity because it's actually easier for them to go to the shop believe it or not um, so there's there's that that might unfold over the next few years where people just decide to do um, I think it's called long buying or long, long delivery, Mm -hmm. because you know that we all want everything delivered within five minutes. Mm -hmm. You can actually say, actually, I don't need this so much now. I can, I'm happy for it to come next week or in two weeks time. Um, So there's that, that's something to watch out for. And I think also with the growth of sheds themselves, we're now getting to a period where sheds are entering the, um, the visual spectrum for many of us, so we're going to see more mm. an increase of sheds moving into more urbanised areas, um, especially with um, last mile logistics um, operations. Uh, and this, you know, whilst this isn't new, it's, it's going to intensify in terms of the space race between um, industrial developers and certainly residential developers as well. So we only have a finite amount of space in the UK. We're not, you know, we're not massive. Um, and sheds were, you know, were often compartmentalised to those um, arterial motorways, weren't they? Mm. I, I said to someone recently, it's, it's almost like going on a, a shed safari when you drive up the um, <laughs> drive up the M1, isn't it? <laughs> so there's, you know, it is a boom period, um, but it's very it's very difficult to predict where we might be in a few years because of where we're at, and also that what's worth bearing in mind is I think. In the 2020s, we're going to see a lot more focus on um, the whole real estate ecosystem as an organic entity rather Mm. than these traditional silos, which we're all kind of guilty of um, bucketing these assets into. Because if there's more sheds um, and more people can see them, literally, then the questions are going to be asked, what does this shed bring to my community? because at the moment they're just literally gray boxes mm-hmm. um shopping centers and offices for example or, or high streets have a have social capital they've got that um you know that that pool uh, people want to go and visit them but people don't really want to go to uh see sheds you know there's, there's lots to bear,
0: bear in mind yeah. and esg is going to be a big one as well i think Okay, well, thank you. And uh, I have a a business park uh, currently being built about half a mile from from where I sit right now. So, I, I, yeah, it's definitely becoming more visible uh, as I uh, live here on on that that ideal corridor between the M1 and the A1. Oh, you're, um, you're in the golden triangle, aren't you? That's right, exactly. Yes. yes. Um, So, uh, turning then to to some of the events of this week, um, Pui, I know you were inundated with uh, comment on the government's extension of the moratorium uh, on evictions of commercial tenants, uh, which has now been extended until the 30th of June. So, with with unpaid rent continuing to mount, I I imagine there's been a bit of dismay uh, among landlords.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, the industry had Plenty uh, to say uh, about it, um, and um, I like to uh, what you called it the the other day, just the even moratorium. <laughs> I quite like that. Um, yeah. So um, this week, the government issued a call for evidence on commercial rents to keep an eye on uh, tenant and landlord negotiations after extending. The moratorium on uh, tenant evictions by um, another three months and um, I think the consensus is obviously everyone thinks struggling businesses should get relief but the message that businesses should pay rent where they still can is you know, it seems it's still not really being heard. Mm. I mean, I guess it's it's been, I mean, it, because it's going to run until the end of June, that's going to make it more than a year that these um, measures will have been in place. And um, commercial rent arrears are kind of estimated at the moment to stand at around 4.5 billion already mm. um, at the moment. So, um yeah, some, some interesting comments coming through. Um, Mark Allen, uh, who is chief executive um, of uh, Landsec, said the moratorium was important, you know, as a temporary measure. But, um, you know, as, as, as a quote from him, he said it drives a wedge between mm-hmm. landlords and occupiers at a time when they should be working together. And he, like many others, also warned that the extension um, is just going to push back the cliff edge. Uh, for businesses uh, with a growing debt pile. Um, And Alison Hardy at um, Ashurst, she uh, thought that this is going to uh, clog up the courts uh, with debt actions uh, issued by landlords um, for arrears. But um, on the plus side, um, she reckoned the measures will... Uh, perhaps help stave off insolvencies um, for a bit longer, you know, combined with um, some of the legal challenges um, that are sort of hitting the courts uh, this month and and next. Um, So, yeah, it's been it's been interesting. I think a lot of people are kind of a lot of people in the industry suspected that an extension would happen even though it wasn't previously mentioned in the budget um or at least they were kind of resigned to it happening um really but um yeah, uh, the industry uh, has now been urged to sort of contribute to the call for evidence um, on commercial rents, which um, kind of aims to set out potential next steps that the government could take um, after the end of June, which could r- range from a phased withdrawal of existing protections to uh, legislative uh, options. Um, it's going to consider the Landlord and Tenant Act, uh, 1954, Um and different models of rent payment too um so i imagine they will be getting a lot of uh, feedback from the industry judging by my inbox yesterday
0: <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure you're right i suppose we can we can just be grateful that the announcement wasn't delayed until the 29th of march or yeah uh, <laughs> or something like that um so what else has been occupying your time this week brie
1: yeah, I mean, it's been an interesting week. I mean, on the residential side of things, M&G has officially made its push into um, affordable housing with a new shared ownership partnership with um, Hyde, the housing association, and they've teamed up on a 500 million pipeline of around 2,000 shared ownership homes uh, with some backing from Homes England. And it's really interesting news. I mean, you know, this is a housing association, excuse me, um, bringing in institutional uh, capital. And it, it just kind of, it frames the topic of how the private sector might or uh, you know might collaborate to sort of boost housing supply. And our our residential editor Emma Rossa has interviewed um, the key players. So um, check out our website to mm-hmm. um, find out a bit more about it. Um, and um, uh, we also had news from I W G, the workspace provider, and um, Mark Dixon has told our London reporter um, Alex Daniel that he predicts regional offices will be the workplaces of the future, um, you know, with, with suburban and regional locations um, coming to the fore to meet demand. Um, it's it's had a bit of a torrid year, you know, it's made a, a really big pre-tax loss, about 620 million, um, but uh, he's upbeat, you know. He's pointing to a, a flurry of new deals with um, RSA, Cisco, Salesforce, Staples, Nippon Telegraph. All the, all the, all the name dropping. So um, <laughs> it will be interesting to see how that one um, goes. And I, another one that's um, sort of put their bets on um, offices is um, M&S. So um, in terms of updates on on developments in central London, um, M&S kind of um uh, came to the fore on that one this week um it wants to knock down its five-story uh flagship in marble arch um in favor of a nine-story building um so they'll be cutting back its retail space to three floors um but wants to bring in 300 000 square feet of grade a office space on the upper levels um and so yeah, they're they're putting their faith in demand for office space in in the West End. So it will be interesting to see how that one plays out in light of you know the debate around uh, the future of offices. So um, yeah, it's been a pretty packed week. So a lot of it, interesting it, nuggets.
0: <laughs> it's not just office space; it's Marks and Spencer office space, I guess. <laughs> would be the, the the key selling point. Oh, yes. Uh, so. Uh, James, I I don't know, I have no idea whether you are one of EGLSM's uh, devoted band of weekend warriors. Uh, No judgement if you haven't listened before, your free time is of course your own. But we have established a regular feature uh, where we put a member of the team to the test with our quiz of the week. Now I know you're a competitive chap.
1: Mm.
0: Are you prepared for your current events knowledge to be put to the test. Um in all honesty, no I'm I'm not prepared at all. So this <laughs> well, this could be quite humiliating, couldn't it? <laughs> no pressure, but we uh, did get 4 out of 5 last week. And I'm sure I'm sure she's ready champing at the bit to to buzz in just in case um, now all of these answers can be found uh, in the latest issue of EG on, or online or which is and this is really fortunate for you uh, about one minute ago in our conversation for one of the questions so so that that, that should be a given <laughs> you, you're probably already starting on one so so we'll, we'll get that one out of the way. First off, question one. Which retailer has announced plans to redevelop its Marble Arch flagship? Oh, my God. I know this one. I know this one. <laughs> it's Marks and Spencer. Well done. One yes. out of one. Excellent. OK, so now this. I've been relatively kind, but but some of these may stray outside of your, your area of expertise. Which mm. town is set to benefit from a brand new 500 million pound town centre? is it Stockton? It is Maidenhead according to REG coverage. Now I particularly love it when a story comes up that that catches the attention both of our news team and our diary page Mm. and this did happen this week with a new co-living development planned for a grade two listed building in Edgware that has quite a bit of heritage. The building was London's first what- Bingo Hall. Yes, it was indeed something's yeah. first
2: bingo hall. I was, I was wondering if that was going to be a question related to the <laughs> nuclear power
0: plant from the previous week. But. <laughs> you have to do your research. Two out of three. Two out of three. So this uh, question four is the missing words round. Can you fill in the blank in our headline? Property. Property laments the budget that didn't blank. Deliver. Oh, it will be a fair summary of the article, but the 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 word is bark. Property laments oh. the budget that didn't bark. Yeah. Okay, still still good. You still you, if you can get this final question, you still beat Sam, which I think is is quite important. So you go above goodness, goodness Sam gracious. on the EGLSN version version of the uh, Top Gear leaderboard. So as well as being a retail and industrial guru. What people might not know about you is that you are a regular and enthusiastic contributor of stories for The Diary Page, including this week sharing a tweet by none other than James Timpson. It seems that during the pandemic, Timpson offered an online service through which people could send their shoes in for repair, but it didn't really take off. How many pairs have they received over the last 12 months? I'll give you one out either side. 42. They received 23 pairs of shoes. Oh, you know what? I <laughs> knew there was a two in there. I knew it. <laughs> oh. But still, three out of five is, is, is pretty good going. As was it three said. out of five or two out of five? I think it was two. I I two out of five. Two out of five. <sighs> two out of five. You were too fiery. Yeah. Uh, so still, it was, you know, you, you. it's not necessarily your responsibility to keep an eye on the entirety of, of EG's output. So it's still a that's strong. I'm, I must attest I haven't had time to, to read the, the, the magazine.
2: I had, did have a, a brief glance, and it does look packed full of extraordinary
0: content, I must say. But um, <laughs> like I said, I haven't had a time to read the words. Um, and one other thing that listeners may not know is that this, this might be the last opportunity we get to have James on the podcast, as next week is his last EG after a remarkable 10 years. Uh, he has earned himself a testimonial. Or at the very least a carriage clock, but uh, what he's got is an appearance on E.G. like Sunday morning. Uh, so I don't know about you, Pui, but I'm going to find it very, very strange uh, without James around. It's, it's going to be like we've we've lost a cherished cherished piece of furniture or a beloved pet.
1: You'll be missed, James, but I'm sure we will. Um, we will definitely um, stay in touch uh, for sure, and. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna miss all the all the spreadsheet fun that we had.
2: <laughs> we we've had we've had a nap. we've had a lot of, haven't we? Yeah, it's um it's
0: been a remarkable decade.
2: A decade, of, a decade. E.g., um, I hope this isn't my last podcast. Maybe we'll sneak another one.
0: <laughs> well, maybe it's so, Yeah, you know, if you, if you've enjoyed this, you are you have an open invitation to return oh, next week. I've enjoyed the humiliation, Jess. Of course. <laughs> 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 But as we said, you're not going to be far away and you're going to be a firm friend of EG. So, so perhaps we can indeed borrow your expertise yes. from time to time, maybe even on a Sunday morning. Maybe even on a Sunday morning. We'll see. <laughs> so with that, uh, all the best uh, for your no doubt glorious future. You have been listening to EG Like Sunday Morning.